0: read genesis chapter 12 on the screen as you stand today this is god speaking to a man by the name of abraham and he is the father of all of us today who are believers and here's what he says to him now the lord said to abram get out of your country away from your family and away from your father's house to a land i'll show you and i'll make you a great nation and i'll bless you and i'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing And I shall bless those that bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Because of him, you're blessed. So we're going to talk about the God of commitment today. God's commitment to you is not because of you. It's in spite of you. And I believe you'll never have a commitment with God until you realize God's commitment to you. And he overwhelmed us with a full committed apprehension, uh, a full committed issue that he already settled long before you came on this planet because God is truly committed to you, his very own. Father, thank you today for your word. It is a lamp and it's a light. And let every word that Joey says fall to the ground. And every word that comes from you penetrate our heart and change us. And Lord, help us to realize that you are committed to us in spite of us. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking, and go ahead and sit down. And then turn to the other one and say, you too, you too. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause this day? We thank you, worship team. Thank you, all of you who have given today and honor, God, and thank you for being here today. We honor you for being here today, and I want to encourage you, tomorrow night, 5.30, we have supper ready for those who want to eat there in the cafe, have different types of food for you and your family. We want to make it very accommodating, very affordable uh, for you and your family, so come at 5.30, but I want you to invite somebody. The next two nights are important because we're going to dive into this issue that everybody needs healing how to be healed, body, soul, and spirit. So if you know anybody that's sick in body, you know anybody that's battling depression, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, an enemy, I want you to bring them, invite them, share on our pages about the next two nights. And I promise you, people's lives will be forever changed because the healer is in the house. Not only today, but he'll be tomorrow and on Tuesday as well. Now think about a commitment that was made. Understand that the commitment that God made was in spite of you. It was in spite of you, but it was because of you. God makes this amazing commitment. We call it in theology and we call it in the scriptures covenant. God does nothing without a covenant. A covenant is what we call source. It's the source to have power with God. It's the source to have joy and peace and blessing. Covenant is the key. It ties the Old Testament together and the New Testament. Why? It's the Old Testament concealed and the New Testament revealed. The reason why I say that because many people have a misunderstanding on God's covenant. We have in the scriptures, they call it an Abrahamic covenant. It's the covenant of faith. Then we have the Mosaic covenant. That's the covenant of the law. What's kosher? What's not kosher? That's the Jewish law, the Ten Commandments that God told the Jewish people to keep forever and forever. So when you talk to a a religious righteous Jew, they're told by God in the Mosaic covenant to keep that covenant forever and forever. In the Abrahamic covenant, it's telling us to live by faith and to understand. Understand that God's commitment is a something that you receive by faith, and then we have the new covenant, and the new covenant is a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of love. It's a covenant of mercy. It's a covenant of acceptance. But nothing, do- nothing God does without this expression of a commitment, which we call covenant. Everything you have is a product of covenant, filled with the spirit, power, anointing, the good things, salvation. It's all because of this commitment that God has made. Now listen, because if Abraham is the father of all who believe, then you've got to understand what Abraham did because we need to do what Abraham did to receive what Abraham received. God makes this commitment to Abraham and he wants to show something. I think this is important because when God makes this commitment with Abraham and to his descendants, now who are his descendants? They're the Jewish people. It's the it's the people called Jew. It's where we get the word Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. That's where you get the word Jew. And now we have the Jewish nation coming out of Abraham and his descendants because God wants to do something. I believe that God is showing something through this race of people, the Jewish people, this, this demonstration that Jehovah God and the, the people that serve the little gods, there is a difference. That those who serve Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob will have a distinct difference than those who serve the little g-gods of the world. So God's doing something here that I think is important because now in the New Testament and the covenant of grace, he does something for us to be on display. But think about this for a moment. God's showing Abraham as to his descendants. He's showing the ungodly that people who honor God they get blessed above all others God is saying to people through these through these people that were slaves that were that were absolutely tormented through through persecution after persecution through disobedience after disobedience God is doing something God is saying in Genesis 12 I'm gonna find me a, a people, a special people, and they're going to have a covenant people. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a commitment to this group of people, and I'm going to have a before and an after test. I'm going to have a living laboratory experiment on this earth so that everyone can see and know that the blessing I'm pouring out on this man, Abraham, and his descendants are so supernatural, they cannot be explained any other way. God said, let's compare those who serve dead, useless idols. Let's compare those who serve the little G gods and then let's compare those who serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible says something that I really like. It says that Abraham became a man of mighty wealth. Not only wealth in heaven, but wealth on the earth. It means he had stuff, which tells us we can be friends of God and have great wealth, but not letting that wealth have us now let's meet this man by the name of Abraham because the scriptures call him the father of all who believe. Abraham is something amazing because we, we compare this situation of this, this commitment. We have to compare it with what Jesus did because David said something in Psalms 25, 14 that's amazing. He says God's secrets he will show to those who walk in a covenant. God's secrets He shows to those who walk in a committed relationship. Do you want to know God's secrets? I do. I don't want to know your secrets. They're dirty. I want to know God's secrets because God's secrets reveal things. That's why the scriptures call him the revealer of secrets. Revelation chapter 19, it shows us something. Do you want to know God's secrets? Do you want to know his revelation? I do. Then we need to learn about the God of commitment. There are three types in the scripture. There's a blood covenant that's eternal and it's unbreakable. There's a salt covenant, which in the scripture is a covenant of loyalty. I've often said that you're not loyal until you had an opportunity to be Disloyal, And when you have an opportunity to be disloyal and you refuse to be disloyal, that's when loyalty and honor truly come. It's a culture of honor and it's it's spirited out of a covenant of loyalty. Then there's some weird covenant in the Old Testament called a shoe covenant. I think a woman made that one up. It's the BOGO. Buy one, get one. Boaz used it when he married Ruth. And I think every product and blessing we have from God comes through a commitment that God has made. We do not make it. God has made it. I think that's important because in this blood covenant in the Old Testament, you have to know what happens. First, the, the parties that are making this commitment together, they they're, they come together, they split the animal in half, they literally cut it in half, they, they walk by the way of a figure eight. I'll talk about that in a moment. But they walk by the way of the figure eight and they recite the contents of the vow are the commitment. This is the commitment and this is the commitment. Then there's an exchange of names in those days. Abram was changed into Abraham. Then there's a covenant meal. You and I know it in Christian community as communion. Jeremiah 34:18 says, "I'll give the man when they transgress my covenant, they'll cut the calf in half and pass between the parts thereof, and I will answer them and show them mighty things." Genesis 15, something amazing happens. Abraham received the title deed to Israel from God. He received it through a blood covenant. It was unconditional. It was unbreakable. It was not dependent upon Abraham's faithfulness. It was only dependent upon the faithfulness of God. Aren't you glad? Why is that important? Because if Abraham's the father of all who believe, then God's commitment is not dependent upon our faithfulness. I'll do this. I'll do that. It's dependent upon his faithfulness. So it gives us freedom and grace. That gives people like us who are messed up Liberty. It gives us freedom. It gives us an opportunity to grow close to God when we mess up and when we blow it. It gives us an opportunity. It's not dependent upon our faithfulness. It's dependent on His commitment toward us. That means your works are not going to get it done. Your lack of works are your abundance thereof of works. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to do work. Not the work of man's hands, but the work of the kingdom of God. I want you to know that. So let's meet the man, Abraham. If the scriptures call him, the father of all who believe, then who was he? Abraham. The scriptures tell us an amazing insight about this guy, that he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, and he looked for it with absolute faith. Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. And the reason why I say that, because you have to have Judaism for Christianity to exist, but you do not need uh, you have to have uh, Judaism has to exist for Christianity to have validity, but it doesn't work the other way. So if he's the father of all who believe, this is the foundation of what we believe. So think about that for a moment. Some of you are thinking that's deep. I know, isn't it? It's the foundation of what we believe. Abraham, he looked for this city whose builder and maker was God. God called him a friend. Abraham who adored God and he obeyed God to the only to this dramatic conclusion where he takes his only son Isaac, he ties him up, he takes him to an altar and he literally Ties him and he's ready to thrust a razor sharp dagger in his chest to prove his fidelity and faithfulness toward God. There are some Christians who won't come to the house of God because it's raining outside or it's too hot. I'm going to the lake. And here's a man willing to give up his son to prove that God, you can trust me. When we want what Abraham had, we must be willing to do what he did. And his level of devotion, it far surpasses superior and it exceeds our understanding. But what three things did he do that I think we need to do? The first thing that Abraham did, if you look at there, I read it in the passage, he separated from the world. Genesis 12 and 1, get out of the country, away from your kindred and away from your father's house. And then you're going to go to a land that I will show you. That's a threefold separation. Why is that important? Because the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that threefold is not easily broken. And when you have a threefold, it's a position of power and strength. How about a separation that's threefold? It's not always what we add to. This culture that we live in the 21st century it's many times it's I have to add this app and I have to add this thing to my life and I have to have this thing coming but it's not always what we add to our life I think most often it's what we're willing to take away from it's what we're willing to subtract so we truly can be successful many people have too much of activity. It's like an avalanche of activity, and your real self has got lost in this avalanche of activity. So now you're scattered here, and you're over here. It's like that old show Ed Sullivan back in the day. Some of you may remember it. The guy would come on there, and he'd bring this plates out. He'd put them on poles, and he'd start spinning the plate, and he'd get one going. He'd get another going, another going, another going. Before you knew it, he had 10 plates. Boom, 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 and he was like a blur on the screen until this Plate would get wobbly, he'd, he'd spin it, he'd run over here, he'd spin it, and before you knew it, the plates would start dropping. And that's what many Christians do because they keep adding, they keep adding, they keep adding, and it's like one plate, one plate, this, 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 and before they know it, the plates start falling and they start dropping. So I don't think it's what we add to, most often it's what we're willing to take away. Maybe you need to learn to say no more often. Maybe you need to learn that two-letter word that we all know starts with an N and ends with a? And it's no. It's the most anointed thing some of you need to learn to say. No bueno. I added the bueno, but it's no. So you have to learn to separate. Get away from your country, away from your kindred, and away from your father's house. Something that God's telling him is, it doesn't make sense to me. Separation from his country, from his kindred, and from his father's house. Why was he told to leave his father's house? His father whom he loved. Because his father was a worshiper of idols. Separation. You have to get that word in your mind. Because often we're told, tolerate this. Tolerate that. Tolerate this. Include that. Put that in your life. Accept that. Accept that. And what I'm saying to you, you're not to accept the patterns of this world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the patterns and the precepts of this world, but be ye transformed. How does that transformation happen? It doesn't happen just by a supernatural receiving of the Lord. It happens by the renewing of your mind. It's one thing for a bird to fly over your head and give you a bad thought. Everybody has them. But it's another thing when that bird lands and builds a nest. And when it starts to build a nest, that nest starts to starts to get stinky and stuff begins to get infiltrated in your system. It's like some of you in your phones. You live and die by your phone. You never turn your phone off. It's by your bedstand. You use it as your wake-up call. But most of you don't realize that that phone has to be turned off every now and again so it can reboot. And there's things on your phone called updates. And if you're like me, if it says update. I push later, comes back on, and I push later, and I push later, and then my phone starts jacking up, and I say, what's wrong with this stupid phone? It's because I haven't upgraded the system, and that's what many people do. They love the Lord. They have all this wonderful talent and gifting on the inside, but they don't upgrade the mind. And they let every unsolicited thought come in. Every religious mindset come in. Every demonic thing come in. Start building a nest. Now you're a person that's sick and you're trying to get well instead of saying, no, Lord, I'm well, fighting off this sickness demonic. And now you start getting to the patterns and the precepts of this world. And now you're living with not enough and I'm just happy to get by and I'm, I'm just thankful I can pay my bills instead of saying, Lord, I think you're going to pay mine off and I'm going to pay somebody else's off. That's a transformation of a mind. You have to learn to renew your mind. There has, to, there has to be something called stinking thinking that you have to get rid of because if we're not careful, we let the, the cares of this world, the patterns, the precepts of this world start to sink in. We believe them and we become them. It's like that circus master. He took a pole and he chained the back of a baby elephant and he put that pole in the ground strong and down deep and that baby elephant would pull on the chain. He would pull on the chain and he would pull on the chain and he could never break the chain. Well, the baby elephant grew. He was huge. He was gigantic. You say, well, what happened, Joey? He broke the chain. No, he stopped pulling because he got it in his mind that he couldn't break that chain any longer. And that's what many Christians do. They conform to the pattern of the world and the pattern of religion. And now they've got this religious rule checklist and they think because they didn't abide in that and because they didn't do that and because they didn't facilitate that, now they're like that elephant and they're trying to pull, but they can't pull out of that thing any longer. And I'm telling you today, in Jesus' name, pull harder. It's time to renew your mind. It's time to separate from the things of this world. It's time to say goodbye world, goodbye. I'm not going to live by the precepts of this world or any religious nonsense i'm going to believe god at his word that from cover to cover it's god's word that settles it i believe it it's done in jesus name i think it's important because what you have right now is you have this this issue of they're trying to mix the world in the word and trying to dilute it down now you have people actually telling us that that it's really only a matter of what the red letter says that Jesus, that Jesus is saying. And because Jesus himself didn't say it, then, then we, we might have to rethink it. And I want to scream at those morons. Hey, don't you know from cover to cover, God wrote every word of it. It's red letter from the Genesis to Revelation, from the front to the back. God wrote it all. And you say, well, I've never. Well, now You have. God said all scriptures given by inspiration of God. God breathed it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And once you understand that God has different covenants that he made for the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and the covenant of grace at Calvary, then you understand that this scripture applies to all of us in one way or another but you've got to look a little deeper and you've got to get more sincere. The Bible tells us, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. That means you've got to separate yourself from the patterns of this world. You must separate yourself from mindsets of religion and denominationalism and things that try to hinder you and hold you back from being everything God created you to be. Am I preaching good this morning? Abraham, you know... He shows us humanity where God calls him friend, has supper with him, but he failed. Just like many of us, we fail. Abraham failed to separate fully from the world. It gives us hope, doesn't it? He failed to separate. Genesis 11:32 32 says, Abraham did leave his country, but he f- took his father, Tara, and his nephew, Lot, to the city by the name of Haran. Now get this, because in the scriptures, every name means something. So Tara means delay. And Haran, the city they went to, means parts place. We know Lot to mean what? Veil, like a veil of a curtain. So get this. Until you and I totally separate from the world, our blessing, which is the promised land, will be delayed. It's what Tara means. We will live in parts places Parched places is heron, And we will live in parched places until those places become hell on earth. Why? You're going to be scratching and clawing your way, trying to get God's attention, God's approval. And people will let you down. People will hurt you. They'll lie about you. And they'll do it all in Jesus' name because you are in the wrong place. You are in the wrong place. Then we come to the name Lot. Lot means veil, like a veil of a curtain. And as soon as Abraham sent that guy away, Lot, God said, lift your eyes. I want you to look north. I want you to look south. I want you to look west, east. All the land you see, this covenant land, this land called Israel, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever and forever. I want you to know Lot means veil. And as soon as he sent him away, God said, lift up your eyes. I say to you, child of God, lift up your eyes. Look north, south, east, west. All the things God says, these possessions are my children to take on and have authority over. They are yours. You use your authority. God says use it in Jesus name. Now think about this this morning. God tells Abraham, "Get out." He tells him to get out. And I think that's harsh until I really understand it's loving. It's the most loving thing you really could read. You know why? And this is really important. You ready for this? Because the commands of God are never accompanied by reasons. Because the thoughts of God are so far above ours as the heavens are above the earth, we couldn't understand it if God gave us a reason. So the commands of God are never accompanied by reasons, but the commands of God are always given by promises. You cannot base your life on an explanation, but you can base your life on a promise. God gave three commands to Abraham. Get out of your country, away from your kindred, and away from your father's house to a land I'll show you. And look at the three blessings he sent to Abraham. He said, I'm going to have a blessing for you. The message to Abraham is, I'm gonna make your name great. Abraham, the command to him, get out of your country, away from your kindred, away from your father. He says, I'll give you a great nation and I'll make your name great. Abraham gave up his country called Ur. So God says, I'm gonna give you this great nation. You're not gonna be one among many. You're gonna be the head of a whole nation. You say, that's pretty incredible. What's God saying to me? I can tell you what God's saying to you. Beloved, if you'll give up the patterns and the precepts of this world and old wineskins of the world and old ways of thinking, old ways you were raised, old ways people treated you and maybe called these things godly, even though they weren't. If you'll give up those patterns and precepts, I'll cause you to have a new Jerusalem where I am, there you may also be. I'll cause you to have houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, wells you did not dig. I'll open up the windows of heaven and bless you with blessings you cannot contain. As soon as you say to this world, Good by that's when it shall happen then god tells abraham i'll bless you with a covenant blessing I'm going to bless you in your finances. I'm going to bless you in your health. I'm going to give you peace that surpasses understanding, joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. The message to Abraham, and I think the message to us, if you give up your family, I'll be your family. I'll be so much your family, I'll come down to this earth and eat with you. Friends, when you come to know Jesus, he becomes a friend that sits closer than a brother. He becomes a burden bearer, a high tower, a way maker, and a deliverer. He becomes the one who was Emmanuel, means God with us. He becomes a cornerstone, precious and elect in Zion. He is the one when you mention his name, demons tremble because he has that type of power. God says, I'm going to make your name great. I've, I've asked you to leave your father. That's a source of your name. But I'm going to make your name a byword on the planet. You can go anywhere on the earth and say, who's Abraham? they say he's the father of the Jewish nation. Many say he's the father of the Arab nation. He's the father of all who believe put that to us today you're part of a kingdom you're not part of a democracy only in America you are part of a theocracy and a theocracy is we're not voting the will of God we're doing the will of God and we're not debating the word of God we are declaring the kingdom of God and there's a world of difference but you have to learn to separate from patterns and precepts of this world is that minister to anybody today Then there's another thought, and I have one more and we'll close. You're called to separate so you can be a blessing. Because many times you cannot give what you do not have. People can't give what they do not have. You cannot give joy if you don't have joy in your heart. You can't give a smile if that smile is not in your heart. You can't give finances and abilities to bless people. If you are broke, busted, and disgusted. You cannot give what you do not have. That's why he tells Abraham, and I believe God's telling us today, I'm gonna bless you so you can be a blessing. And I think the the acceleration of many people's blessing is determined on what they'll do with each and opportunity we're given. Each and every opportunity you're given to, to be a blessing, to help especially in the church. I mean, I don't want to put rules and regulations on people, but it amazes me so many people, they see the needs, the cleanup, the help, and they just walk right on by. If we had to pay everybody to do everything in the church, the church would go broke first day because many people don't give a dime. The majority of the church doesn't give a dime. But more than giving money, we can give our lives. And in the result of that, we become a blessing to others. And I think the miracle that you're needing is really dependent upon the miracle you're going to be. The miracle that you're needing. I need a miracle in my body, Joey. I need a miracle in my finances, Joey. I need a miracle in my health, Joey. Then why don't you go and be somebody else's miracle? Go pray for somebody in the hospital. Go, go bless somebody with, you may not have a lot of resources, but it's it, just something to help bless somebody. Maybe you can't do everything, but you can surely do Something. And that's what we're called to be a blessing. But we're also called to separate to worship. The scriptures tell us that Abraham, he went, east to, he went east to Bethel and he built an altar unto the Lord there at Bethel. There was no altars in Ur. There were only idols there. There was only an altar in Bethel because the word Bethel means the house of the Lord. That's what David said in the book of Psalms. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because this is the place of prayer. This is the place of power. This is the place where the stains of the soul get removed by the blood of the lamb. This is the place where marriages get healed. This is the place where joy and peace come for discouragement and depression. This is the place where lives come ignited with the purpose and power of God. This is the place where lives get ignited for God's destiny to explode. over over them and over generational lives. I think this is the greatest place and the greatest health spa on planet Earth. It's the house of the living God. And we need to be excited about it. I really do. I don't think church should be a place where people just come and like sit there and when they stand and they worship, they just stand there like wooden Indians. And then they go to these crazy games, they spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go to these professional teams and they scream like Comanches, just Just a guy or a girl running down the court with a bag of hot air, "Ah!" painting their faces, you want to talk about fanaticism, I mean some people they got these huge bellies and they're painting them, because they love their sports team, then they come to church. I I wish we had more worship. Come on time. Starts at eleven, not eleven thirty. Come on time. You want more preaching? Don't tell me that because I'll go for days. So be careful. One go, pastor. The Bible says be devoted one to another in brotherly love, giving preference one unto another. He went east to Bethel. He built an altar there. It's a place of worship. We're called to be worshipers, that our, our lives would be exciting, that people would want what we have. Do people look at you and say, I want what you got? Or do they look at you and say, oh, good. They should want what, we're, what we have. We shouldn't try to impale it on them and force it on them and say because you're living this way and because you're living that way, you're not right with God. Who are we to do that? We're to be examples of the grace and glory of God. I'm to be an example of His glory and the health and strength of the Lord. I am not here to put upon my prejudice and call it holiness. I'm here to tell you God's for you. He's not against you. God says I'm calling out worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. God's calling us to be people of excellence. But you have to understand this commitment that God has made, it's for life. Everybody say for life. life. Now say it with a little bit of stockton attitude. For life! life. You did that one too good. <laughs> but it's it's for life. It it binds people together forever. It always has an oath spoken. That's what Romans 10 and 9 is when you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That's an oath spoken. It always has the, the death of two wills and the birth of one will. And that's why God says the secret to a victorious life, let your will die dead. That's, Im- that's important. Let your will die, your wants, your needs, your desires. Let them die and let them die dead and let it happen today. You know, there's a Middle Eastern saying that says blood is thicker than milk. It literally means that you and I may be brothers because we shared the milk of our mother. But by blood covenant, we're bound tighter than family ties. I like that because that means to us as believers that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How can he stick closer than a brother? I can tell you how. By blood. By blood. Every believer that's born in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ only comes through the blood sacrifice of the cross at Calvary. We are one. We are brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not possible to be separated by wealth, power, position, race. We are one in the body of Christ. That's why Jesus prayed in John 17. Lord, I wish, Father, I wish they were one as you and I are one, so the world would know you were sent by me. The flip of that logic, when we find ourselves divided, bickering, talking about one another, devouring one another in the body, just letting our our words be unrestrained, it's a testimony to the world that we don't have the real deal. And I think there's a world of difference, and this is so important, between a person that's saved and a person that's free. Because If you call on the Lord, you're saved. But many people aren't free. And here's the the biblical understanding of that. Every Christian saved walks in relationship one way or another. But there's a difference between being a Christian which is saved and walking in a covenant relationship. Here's how we know. Every disciple is a Christian. But not every Christian is a disciple. Because a disciple, hints the word discipline. And discipline is somebody who does what Jesus does. In the last days, the Bible says, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, proud, boisterous, without God, without this affection of God, without hope. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. God says we're not to be those type of people. We're to be faithful. We're to be loyal. We're to be integrous. We're to be people of excellence. We're to be people that give our word. We keep our word. We're committed to God, and we're committed to one another. And we're committed to the church. I think that's so important today because I want to tell you a story in closing in the next three minutes, four minutes. Five if you're good. (laughs) Ten if you're (laughs) now. But I want to tell you the day that God stopped the sun. When God stopped the sun, it was an audacious prayer by Joshua. It was such a faith-filled, audacious prayer that God literally stopped the Son. But in Amos chapter 9, there's a story about God's commitment not being, with, with, with being restrained and not being fulfilled, that God revoked, the, revoked it. In other words, in Amos chapter 9, that shows this, this story that happened, that God says, I'm not going to revoke Tyrus's punishment because he didn't remember this commitment, this covenant that was made. But in Joshua chapter 9, God honors the man with the audacious prayer, stops the sun because of a commitment that was made. There's a world of difference. And I think that's important because many of us want the prayer that stops heaven and earth. We want the prayers that are audacious and boisterous and bold. And we want all these things to happen. But they really, if you look at the details, why it happened, because of a commitment. This is the story of Joshua chapter nine. I'm gonna say this real quickly. Joshua is marching his way with Israeli army, and they're taking out every territory as they're moving toward the promised land, their spiritual home and inheritance. And they're taking out every tribe and army as they go. No longer a nation of slaves, now they're warriors. And the Gibeonites are next for Joshua and the crew to take out. So the Gibeonites know that defeat is upon them, so they enter into a conspiracy. They say, how can we stop these, these Jewish people from destroying us? So they enter into this vast charade. They put on old clothes, old sandals that were ripped and torn, the scriptures say. They get moldy bread, and they come staggering over to the camp of Joshua. And they say, we're from a long way off. We need protection. Would, would you make a covenant with us and commit to us that you will protect us? Joshua didn't check them out. He made a commitment to them, a covenant with them. And as soon as the animal was cut in half, as soon as they walked by the way of the figure eight, as soon as they sat down for the meal and exchanged the vow and ate the meal, they looked at Joshua and said, hey, FYI, we're local. We're the next tribe over the hill that you guys are going to take out. But now you can't touch us because we're in covenant together. Joshua has a problem. God sent him to wipe out the Gibeonites. Now he's in covenant with these liars. So God does what every good man and woman should do. He gets down on his knees and he asks the Lord, Lord, what shall I do? And God speaks back to him and says, I have never broken covenant and neither should you. I think that's important because keeping your word with somebody who's honorable, that's good when that happens. But how about holding your tongue when somebody betrays you? Holding your peace when they maligned you, talked about you and your family, talked about your ministry, talked about your church, said all hurtful manner of evil about you. How about holding your peace, keeping a commitment, even though it's a sorry lot you're keeping your commitment with? And here's the end of the story. Joshua went down with Israel and marched and took out the the army that attacked the Gibeonites because another tribe declared war on them. And Joshua had the audacious prayer of faith and commanded the sun to stand still. And it did, not to fight for Israel's sake, but to fight for the Gibeonites, filthy liars. What's the point? The point is God keeps his commitment even if we don't. I love that. I love it. Can we stand together all over the building? Let's go to the last covenant. I talked about the Abrahamic covenant. I mentioned the Mosaic covenant, which is the covenant of law. I didn't give you detail about it, but that's what many Christians try to get back to elementary law when God says, stop with the elementary games. I want you to go deeper in my grace. That's important, by the way, because many people think they're going into a deep study Of law and they find out they're living in legalism when God says listen to this covenant I've made let's go to this one this covenant is the one at Mount Calvary just for a moment let your eyes fall shut all over the building because I want you to go with me in the theater of your mind I want you to see Calvary I want you to go to that day that Jesus died the hill is covered with Roman soldiers and at the base of the cross is the weeping mother of Christ the disciples have scattered in terror. The clouds have become blacker than a thousand midnights. It has become darker than dark. Why? Because God dwells in the thick darkness. Why? Because the book of Kings says he dwells in the thick darkness. Because the God who made that thick darkness for Abraham when he made the covenant in Genesis and gave him the land is come then and he's coming now. And he's making a covenant, a commitment with the son. And the father says to his son, what are the contents of the covenant you and I are to make today? And Jesus says, Father, let their sins be blotted out. Let their sins be buried in the deepest sea, never to be brought against them anymore. Let their sins were like scarlet. Make them as white as snow. And the father says, done. What else do you want, my son, in this covenant? And Jesus said, Father, let the veil of the temple be torn top to bottom. No longer there to be castaways. Let them have boldness to the throne room of grace to come to you. And give them my name and let them be known this day as my people. And the father says, done, done. What else, my son? And Jesus says, this day, they're to be members of the royal family. They're to be kings and priests and queens unto God. They're no longer to be cast out in aliens. What they lost in the garden, I'm going to give it back to them now. I'm bringing in the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people, and grafting them into the olive tree and give them all the blessings of Abraham. And the father says, what else, my son? What else do you want? And Jesus says, Satan and his kingdom are to be defeated forever. And the church is to receive the keys of death, hell, and the grave. They're to have power over demons and disease. They're to have power over principalities and darkness. And the Father says, done son, what else do you want? And Jesus says, Father, I want you to give them eternal life for death. I want you to give them health and healing for sickness and disease. I want you to give them hope and happiness for depression and shame. And Jesus says, Father, let them be known this day as my people, as a covenant people, as a loyal people, a faithful people who love not their lives unto the death. I want you all to look at me now. And in the darkness of Calvary, the Father and Son stood in the blood of the Lamb, and the blood and the Son cried, It is finished! It's finished! He didn't say, I am finished. He said, It's finished. Friends, all the scars on Jesus healed, except the scars on His hands. When the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, and they asked... Who is the one with us that speaks such profound truth? And they went to the house and they broke the bread. They saw the scars and they knew he was the son of God. They knew he has risen from the dead. How is Jesus going to be recognized when he comes back for you and I? Zechariah says, and how will he be recognized by the Jewish people who have kept that Mosaic covenant for generation to generation? The book of Zechariah tells us, They'll see Him whom they've pierced. And they'll weep as one weeps for their only son. The scars will be there. Never underestimate the power of your scars. They're testimonies of the stars.